subscribers get in close. For 15 years, I have been looking for a book which didn't exist. So I am thrilled to share that I decided to write it. The Smart Girls Handbook is available to pre-order now wherever you get your books and also in Canada, the United States of America, New Zealand and Australia. Everything we do is a response to something you have asked me for and girl, have you been asking me for a book for years? Who is it for you? This isn't my book, but our book. I realized after my talks around the world, women would still be queuing up for hours just to ask me one question. I didn't want them to just walk away with that one answer, but a tangible source to have forever, and this is it. A few years ago, I started diving into ways and methods I could use to live anxiety-free, become truly self-confident and glowing from within, lean into fear, see the positives in my failures, and build a fully-fledged business, also while working as an activist. And now I share all of that with you, including knee-slapping hilarious stories and my most vulnerable and personal moments I have never shared until now. This is refreshing, never-before-read content that will inspire, motivate, empower, inform, and entertain you. You might not know, but pre-ordering a book hugely helps an author. So if for no other reason, you are supporting one girl's dream come true just by purchasing. The Smart Girls Handbook is a celebration of womanhood and the book missing from your library. Tag me on Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe when you have pre-ordered it and I will send you an exclusive gift just to say thank you. Hi, Arundhati. I'm so excited for you to be on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. And to begin with, I would just like to ask you how you would explain NLP to someone who has never heard about it before. Okay. Um, first of all, hello, and thank you for having me here. Now, NLP is a very interesting subject in itself, but what it really is, is it's a study of how your brain works and how you work, all right? So we all have this internal representation of the world and we create a map in our brain by this by our senses by the information that we take in and not all of us are taking in all the information we are filtering them out and that's where nlp comes in so it's the study of the thoughts the feelings your behaviors right which are creating your results and what are the thoughts in specific and why are they being filtered out? All of those beautiful things. So NLP in general, in a nutshell, is the study of the way you function as a human mm -hmm. being with your mind being in focus. Amazing. And could you explain to our audience the difference between our conscious mind and our subconscious mind? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's a pretty simple answer. Your conscious mind actually is the part of you which is taking actions and decisions out of intention, right? So when you intentionally think about something or when you intentionally do something, that's coming from your conscious mind. And your subconscious mind is like your backbone. And it's just running 24-7 and you do not need to do anything to let your subconscious mind run, if that's making sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so your subconscious mind is the part of you which is, which is your behaviors, the way you adapt to things, the way you answer immediately without thinking twice. That's coming from your subconscious. But your conscious mind is the one which is more when you are deliberately telling yourself to do so-and-so things. Now, that, that's where the catch is, right? Because all of us try to make changes through our conscious mind. We consciously tell ourselves, I love the example of fitness, right? We consciously tell ourselves every Jan that I want to lose 20 pounds or 5 pounds. I want to get fit. You're consciously saying this. But the actions that you're going to take is from your subconscious, right? So just consciously telling yourself from your conscious mind that I want to be fit is not going to make it happen because you don't believe it on a subconscious level. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's so mm -hmm. interesting. And 
I understand that our subconscious mind really dictates our actions. And I loved that example that you just gave. Could you give some more examples? Yeah, yeah, definitely. When we are growing up, right, until the age of nine, eight to nine, your subconscious is in its main prime state and everything is going directly into your subconscious mind. Your conscious mind is not yet developed until then, all right? So everything that you pick up in your growing age directly goes and gets saved in your subconscious. So an example of, let's tell your mom, all right? When you were growing up, maybe you asked for a toy or a chocolate or something that you wanted and your mom comes to you and tells you, uh, we can't buy that for you right now, right? Uh, we don't have the cash right now. We can't buy that for you right now. But you as a four-year-old or five-year-old would might have put an example and yeah, might have put an assumption to that in your mind saying, oh, my mom is not buying me this toy or this sweet and that's because I don't deserve it, all right? And that becomes your primary thought. So you now you have this thought in your mind telling you that you don't deserve expensive things, right? You're not a person who can get expensive things. And it's stored in your subconscious. And like I mentioned before, we run on, on our subconscious. We don't run on our conscious mind. So coming to your adult life now, you are actually taking decisions from that subconscious mind, which is probably programmed when you were three or four years old. So you are probably not taking the opportunities in your business, or you're probably not taking those, uh, reaching your money goals, because you subconsciously feel you don't deserve it. You subconsciously feel um, expensive things are not for me. Mm. Do you see how it works? Oh my gosh, that's really powerful. I'd never just dived into our subconscious like that before and realized how much power it actually has over us Mm -hmm. so when it comes to self-limiting beliefs how do our self-limiting beliefs or even our destructive patterns get developed Mm. so very similar to what i was telling and this is a good transaction to the next question right most of it is developed when you're a kid and the way it develops and the way it becomes strong is when you feed it, all right? So let's start off with, with the same example, what I just mentioned of your mom telling you she can't buy you that toy. And you put an example saying, I, you put a meaning to that saying, I don't deserve it. Later on in your life, each time such a circumstance comes in, such an um, experience comes to you, you automatically tell yourself, wait, I don't deserve it. So I cannot ask for that gift. I cannot ask for that toy. All right. Now what's happening is the first time you had planted a seed, but now the second time you're watering that seed. Right. And you do this multiple times, the more and more you're doing it, you're nourishing that plant. The plant turns into a tree. And that's exactly what's happening. So that's how our limiting beliefs are also developed. That's how our limiting beliefs come into place. And also our empowering beliefs, <laughs> the beliefs which are good for us, are also built in a similar way. So it really depends on what you are believing and which beliefs are you running with right yeah amazing and so being an expert then who would you say has the biggest influence on our childhoods i think it's the one that we look up to most and as children we want to be taken care of right we want to feel safe so who do we look at who could provide us safety and who could provide us the love we want? You get influenced the most by them. And it's usually your parent. It's usually your mom or your dad, whoever you're close to, or your guardian. And the way um, 
everything they tell you goes directly into now they are your world right as a kid your world is probably just your mom your dad or whoever's taking care of you and you don't know anything else of the external world so that's your whole world that's how the world functions for you so everything they tell you becomes your reality as an adult we probably now know 100 people and through internet we probably know thousands of people right so our idea of world is really vast but as a kid it's not your idea of a world is just the two people that you see on a regular basis and you think that's your whole world okay so that's how we we look up at them what they tell us that becomes our reality that becomes the truth so your parents telling you you're worthy you're not worthy you are a good kid you're a bad kid that gets programmed into your head we need to think about our i know this could be a little deep so thinking about our brains as the cpu right of a computer makes this easier so you are directly programming the cpu you're telling this is right this is wrong this is the information that you're going to process with this is how you're going to live your life so to answer your question who are you most influenced by as a kid is usually your parents and what role do teachers play when it comes to our subconscious yeah that's that's a really good question so like i said right like as a kid your world is the people who that you who you see and when you start going to school the world starts looking a little bit bigger than it used to be before now there are different people in it and our mind in general loves variety we love to have a variety and as a kid you probably do as well so when you start seeing your teachers you start understanding that there are different types of people there are different choices now and you get to choose and we love to choose so the ones that are probably most of the times the ones that are pretty different than the environment at home pretty different than your parents you get excited by that because it's a different choice and then you want to pick up on those things now again keep in mind you're at a kid and you've been taught already you've been programmed to look up at adults and to look for them or uh, look up to them to guide you towards anything in life we've already been programmed about this in the first 2 to 3 years so you're going to do the same thing with your teachers as well you start looking up at them um and that that's also the reason why a lot of kids who are in kindergarten um and in the beginning years want to become a teacher because that's probably the only profession they know apart from what your parents do and they start looking up to them and they want to mimic that they want to start being that way this is also a really good um question or transition into why a parent needs to show more action than words right because your your kid is mimicking you uh he or she is literally going to take the actions that you are taking they're not listening to your words because your their brain is not processed to understand words even if they do understand a few terms it's not fully processed to understand how it works but what they do understand is actions and they're going to take the actions that you're taking so if you are probably uh wearing let's say we were talking about makeup right where the teachers put on makeup and you want to put on makeup as well well that's action that's not words right so you see them do that and you automatically start mimicking it because you feel you start becoming that person closer to who they are and you want to be that so what or who then are some influencing factors that influence us as adults that we might not even be aware of hmm wow that's a really good one actually you know like we are on a podcast right now and people listening to this are going to be influenced by this and also by your social media the amount of time you spend on social media who are you socializing with who are you following who are you listening to all of this is going to influence you 
TV as well, politics, all of it. And a lot of us like to tell ourselves that I just want to be, um, I just want to have the information. I just want to know what's going on in the world. But what's actually happening is you're picking up on your thoughts. Your brain is pretty open uh, when you're listening to them, especially during podcasts, right? Because you have to pay uh, close attention to just voice. There's no video. So you're in a really good state in your mind to listen and for that information to go directly into your brain. Mm. And what's happening is that information is directly creating a belief, a thought in your mind, which you're going to function with that thought, right? So you are being really influenced by just listening to people, by just socializing with certain kinds of people. Of course, your circle of friends, the people who you speak to the most, are probably going to influence you the most. But you know this. And a lot of us avoid it as well. We avoid the thought of, uh, yeah, but I am mingling with them, but I'm not them, right? We have that thought in us, but it's not true because they are, their thoughts are going to come into your brain, into your world, inside your head, right? And it's going to stay there, right? And the second time uh, a similar thought comes up, it's going to give rise to more such thoughts, if that's making sense. So my answer to that is you're actually being influenced by whatever you give your attention to. So be really, really selective on where your attention is going. Who are you giving your attention to? Because they are influencing you in some way or form. And you can use that for good or you could use that for bad. And in a good way is especially now that we're in 2021 and information is available in such a variety of way and so freely, we don't even have to pay for it. You're getting direct information from people who are doing amazing in their business, right? People who are really, really good and they're giving that information out for free. So you have access to their brain for free. You can understand the way they're thinking. You can understand what beliefs are running in their brain. And if you stay in their thoughts, if you stay in their energy by just listening to them or watching their content, your brain is going to get washed. Your brain is also going to get programmed to think a certain way. And I know you said when we're nine, that's more or less when our subconscious or kind of we've been programmed by then being adults, is there an age that we get to when we're also done with our programming mm-hmm. or not? Not really. Not really. You don't stop learning until you die. Mm. <laughs> um, there is a study which says your brain is developed by the age of 25. All right. Um, which gives a rise to some misinformation. They talk about your brain being developed and mainly your frontal loop being developed by the age of 25, which means you have a sense of what your personality is, of how you think, and you are able to make executive functioning, right? All the executive functioning, you're able to make normal decisions. That doesn't mean you can change the way you think. Right? It, does not, it doesn't mean that you cannot change the way you think. Um, so that's the thing. By, by the, sorry, I lost the word. <laughs> by the definition that your brain is developed by the age of 25, only tells you that you're a capable person now to take decisions and to take normal decisions. But it does not mean that you have stopped learning. And you can learn to be a different person. You can learn to adapt to a different personality. You can learn to think differently. You never stop learning. Learning is an ongoing process. And I think that's what makes this human experience so beautiful, right? Learning every time and you're growing in that whole every step of our life. Yeah, absolutely. And how much of our mind impacts our personality traits our passions even the things even 
the things that seem really trivial, for example, the colors that we're attracted to, how much of our subconscious is determining that? That's a very interesting question and a very good question because I kind of have two answers for that. I mean, it's kind of interlinked, but there's a part of your subconscious which has been forced onto you, right? So a very blunt example is if you're a girl, you've been, you've probably been given a lot of pink stuff, right? Because, and if you're a boy, a lot of blue stuff. So you're, you're kind of being programmed to learn to like these colors, uh, to like pink color or to like a blue color. And you think you're supposed to. Uh, many of us get stuck with that thought. We don't challenge it. We don't question it. And we just tell ourselves, okay, this is what I'm supposed to like, so I'm going to like this color. Mm. And then there are some of us which question it, right? Especially I feel that happens when we're in that teen, teen age where we're questioning everything. And we start challenging what we like. And we ask ourselves, do I really like these things? Is this really me, right? Uh, which is a really good thing because you start understanding what you truly like. And this is kind of where I feel your soul comes into place, right? We all are humans. We are given a soul for a purpose. And we are really different from each other because of that soul factor in us. And sometimes your soul is, not sometimes, all the time, your soul dictates what your desires are, what you truly want. So if you're a business owner, it's probably a soul aligned thing where you felt like starting that business because you feel passionate about it. That's where that passion came in from. So all these things around your passion, your personality, I, I truly feel it comes from your soul, but it is also programmed into you through your subconscious by what they've been told you, told, yeah, but by what you've been told, uh, what your parents have told you, what your teachers have told you. And a lot of us are living our adult life by what we're supposed to be doing rather than what we want to be doing. So mm-hmm. our subconscious really is dictated by our programming, by our mm-hmm. conditioning and what we have been told. So is mm-hmm. our soul impacted by anything or is that just a very natural organic thing that we are essentially born with? So some things that we're passionate about, we're just naturally drawn to and it hasn't come from anywhere else? Yeah. So your soul is... Uh, It's this unique thing which is inside you, right? Which makes you human, which keeps you apart from being a computer. We love, our brain loves to think about things in the form of a computer. It has to be step one, step two, step three, right? And our mind also loves to think that way. Part of it is because from childhood, we've been told to think this way. The way our school system works is this way, right? So that's, that's your mind, but your soul is that part of you which, which makes you you, which makes you different from your neighbor, which makes you different from your sister, your brother. You guys are born to the same parents, but you guys are really, really different from each other. And that difference comes from that soul part in you, right? And how, how is that? How is your soul how it is right (laughs) that's your question is it's a unique print that you're given and you've been told not told but i think you've just been given that part to experience who you are and show up as your true self right when people say be authentic be your true self they actually mean to just listen to what your soul has to say and if soul is a very uh deep word or if it's a word that's scaring you then just ask yourself what do you truly want to do right what who do you want to be what excites you what makes you happy and there are many things which makes you happy from your heart Mm -hmm. and you do know like when you're actually happy from your heart or you're just happy like 
because you're told to be happy, right? And that part which is your heart is attached to your soul, is attached to a power, I would say, right? So listen to yourself, listen to what you love to do, not what you are supposed to love. Mm. That's really beautifully and eloquently said. And I want to talk a little bit more about self-limiting beliefs because our subconscious can prevent us from doing so much from being open to having lots of money, for instance, believing that we deserve that, even thinking that we're worthy to be loved to some extent. For anyone Mm -hmm. listening who doesn't understand what a self-limiting belief is or how our subconscious kind of brings about these self-limiting mm-hmm. beliefs or promotes them within us can you just explain what or give an example as to what a self-limiting belief is yes of course it's actually pretty simple we just don't think about it oh self-limiting belief is any belief that is limiting you right that is not letting you show up as your best so for example a belief that I don't deserve this, right? It's not letting you have what you want. Now that's limiting. Mm. So any belief that does not make you feel good, that's a limiting belief. That's the easiest way to figure out if it's a limiting belief or if it's an empowering belief. Okay. And what are maybe some questions that we can ask ourselves to challenge our subconscious mind? Mm. Love that. I think something that you can ask yourself is, so when you have a goal, right? When you look at a goal in your life, um, if that's starting a business, if that's hitting a certain amount of money, revenue, And then you ask yourself, can I achieve this goal, right? And the first answer that might probably come up might be a no, right? And then you ask yourself, why not? And then you will start receiving all these thoughts and these uh, answers to that question, which are coming from a limiting belief aspect, all right? So example, um let's say i have a goal to hit a million in my business do i think i can achieve that no why can't i achieve that well uh you're not there uh you don't have the skills to get there you don't have the background to get there all right so these are all assumptions and these are all excuses your brain is making Mm. further question to that is now, not for the question, moving that into a belief and questioning those things is, is that really true, right? Is it ultimately true that I cannot achieve one one million in my business? Has nobody in this world ever made a million? It's not true. And the answer to most of your questions, most of your uh, limiting beliefs is going to be it's not true it's really not true Mm -hmm. and then the question comes of how do you change it so you ask yourself what's a much more empowering belief i could have right and sometimes it's very easy to figure that out it could just be as if somebody else can achieve it i can I can do it because I have seen somebody else do it. And we love examples, right? It's very easy for us to believe something if we have seen somebody else do it. Yeah. The challenge comes when we haven't seen somebody else do it. Mm-hmm. So what are maybe some other ways that we can reprogram our subconscious mind? I know that some experts really recommend meditation or journaling. But again, being an expert, I would just love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Ah, so meditation is a really beautiful practice to understand yourself, to understand the thoughts that are running in your head, right? A lot of us don't sit still with our own thoughts because we're scared. We're really scared what's going on inside there. And some of us have 
a really bad relationship with our own self, with our own mind. And we are trying to run away from that. That's not helpful to anybody, right? So I know the question is about what are some techniques, but I really want to pause on this and talk about creating a beautiful relationship with your own self, with your own mind. We don't even look at it as a relationship, but that's the key. Start looking at yourself and your connection with your mind as a relationship. And how can you show up as a best friend for you? How can you be there for yourself? Because frankly speaking, you're the only person who's going to be there for you your whole life. Yeah. Right? So focus on that. Now, coming to your question. Um, yes, meditation does help you in um, understanding these thoughts or rather just knowing what are the thoughts going on in your head. Because it's, it really is just pausing on and reflecting on things that are going on with your head. Make sure you're not being judgmental to yourself. There is no point of being judgmental over here. It's just an exercise to understand the quality of thoughts. So that's give you an inlet to understanding the quality of your thoughts. And then it is what you do with that. And there are variety types of meditation. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some which are visualizations. There are some which are pure meditation. There are some which is uh, which goes a little deep and it goes into the techniques of breathing and how do you control your breath and things like that. All of it comes to the part where you're stilling. Stilling, is that a word? <laughs> the part where you make your mind still right? The part where you pause your brain, because we have a billion thoughts shooting at us every second. We have a lot of them. So what meditation does is it helps you pause on that and understand. So it slows down the process for sure, but it really depends on what you do next. Do you choose another thought? Do you choose to think differently, right? So if you want to try meditation, please go ahead. It really helps you with your quality of life with the quality of the way your brain processes and also journaling i really like journaling but i would say it does not work for everybody because we all are wired differently um and by that i mean a lot of us are very visual a lot of us are very um kinesthetic that means we run on feelings and some of us are auditory uh these are just basic terms it's just about which one do you like more so if you like to visualize if you are able to visualize a lot of us are not when we close our eyes we're not able to picture things and that's completely normal if nobody has told you that i'm here to tell you that when they when they tell you to visualize and you don't see anything it's completely normal you're just not a visual person all right and some of us like to write so journal out some of us do not Again, all of these techniques, um, I would not say all, but journaling, again, is a reflection of the thoughts that are going on in your head. And reflection is a really, really big step. It's the first step, but it's a really big step because now you understand where you're at and you can decide where you want to go. So these techniques are really beautiful, uh, but it's also beautiful when it's done right, if that makes sense. No, it really does. Yeah, I think that's made me see journaling because I journal every day, sometimes even mm. twice a day. It's made me really realize that actually it's just me trying to understand my thoughts a lot more. And a lot of times your thoughts just want to be heard. Mm. And that's why they're circulating in your brain. So journaling and just having a diary. Remember before that was a thing. Everyone used to write a diary. Um, is really big because you're giving a pathway for those thoughts to go and those thoughts to be honored. And you telling those thoughts, I see you, I respect you. Because many times our thoughts just want that. And they could be just coming to you and pausing you from the tasks that you're doing every day to just get your attention. So journaling, having a diary really helps you in those things. 
Amazing. And I know that a lot of self-help gurus suggest writing down your dreams as though they have already happened. I could imagine that to be very powerful for anyone who has self-limiting beliefs. Can you explain why that is so powerful, please? Yeah, definitely. So writing down your beliefs, I mean, writing down your vision and visualizing your vision actually does not do anything unless you have a feeling attached to it. All right. So when um, when somebody tells you to write down your vision and visualize what you want, what they're actually getting at is probably they don't mention it, but what it actually needs to happen is that feeling that is attached to that vision, right? Now, let me explain this. All of our thoughts, all of our beliefs have a feeling attached to it. Example, ice cream, right? Once I said ice cream, you probably saw a picture of ice cream in your head. And some of us felt happy about it because ice cream brings about really happy memories from our childhood. For some of us, it could not mean anything because that's your internal representation of that. The same thing goes with your visions. Your vision, your dreams have a feeling attached to it. And we want you to get at that feeling. Why is that important? This is why. Now your brain has a thought, all right? In this case, the thought is your dream. And that dream creates an internal representation. So let's say an internal image. And that image creates a state in your body. It creates a feeling. And all of us take actions from our feelings, not from our thoughts. Okay? We like to think that we take actions from uh, the plans that we make, the decisions that we make. But that's not where you're taking actions from. You're taking the actions from how those plans are making you feel how those decisions are making you feel. And then you take an action. Now creating that action creates this behavioral pattern in you, all right? And that behavioral pattern is gonna give you the results. It's actually very simple, but kind of complicated at the same time, right? So in short, what I'm trying to tell you is once you have a thought in your head, it's going to create a emotion in you and you're going to take action out of that emotion. Okay. A simple example is relationships, right? Especially with your ex, you have an emotion attached to that. That's why you text them when you know you don't want to text them. Right. Uh, It's because of that emotion. It's not because however smart you think about the situation, like it's not the right thing to do. No but you feel that you have that connection and you want to take actions from there. Same thing happens in your business. I know I'm going totally the other side corner, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So suppose you, there is this really beautiful opportunity come up for you in your business. And now that opportunity could either make you feel really happy, really excited or really overwhelmed and start doubting your own abilities, right? Now, the second part of it, if you're in that place where you have this beautiful opportunity and you're doubting your abilities as to who am I to do this, right? I do not know a lot of knowledge behind this. I'm not capable of it. Now that's an emotion, right? That's an emotion of not feeling capable. So the action that you're going to take is probably you're going to take up that opportunity because you forced yourself to, but now you're going to show up as a person who is not capable of that opportunity. So you're going to go into whatever that opportunity is as a person who is really afraid, as a person who does not know how to take right decisions. And that's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. But the other way around, if this opportunity is evoking this feeling of, wow, such an amazing thing is happening for me and I feel totally ready, 
now you're going in as this person who sees herself or himself capable of this opportunity. So now your actions are going to be totally different because you're going to be like, I know what I'm doing. Mm. I know the first thought that comes into my head is the right thought. And you're going to take that action from there. And you're, going to, you're obviously going to get a result, which is in the same level to your feeling and where you're at. Yeah? Making sense? This really is. It's almost blowing my mind mm-hmm. because it's, it could be quite a wild thought, but I'm starting to think maybe then rather mm-hmm. than we're all just running around chasing dreams, we're mm-hmm. actually running around chasing emotions and we're yeah. attaching those emotions to certain things. For example, for as long as I can remember, I have said my goal, if you like, you know, not one to reach now, but further down the line would be to live in a house with a lot of glass. So it's very open, but next to a lake. And when Mm. I think about that dream, I think because I just want an oasis of peace and Mm. calm. And Mm. that makes me think I'm chasing the emotion rather than actually the thing, the fact that a lot of my life, because I built this business so young and as a teenager, I've always been quite overwhelmed. I've always Mm. gone after everything, never to the point of, I can't do this anymore, but I've always had so much on my plate. I've always been very, very busy that maybe none of us are actually running around chasing dreams. We're running around chasing emotions. Yes. Yes, you just hit the spot. That is so, so true. That's very yeah. true. We are we are beings with emotions for a reason. Mm. Right? Our emotions are here for a reason. And we are chasing that emotion. When we talk about money goals, right? We are actually not talking about the number. We're talking about the quality of life that number is going to provide us. This is also why a lot of us do not feel motivated enough with just the number. Because the number is not doing anything for you. It it is what it is. It's just a number. It's just a few paper. But it's what that paper can buy you. Right? And and that, again, has an emotion. It's that house. It's that Mm -hmm. car. And that evokes an emotion in you. Sometimes it's a momentary emotion which lasts just for a few days. And sometimes it's an emotion that lasts for really, really long. Wow. This is mm-hmm. amazing. I'm loving this conversation. And today, today we've talked so much about tackling self-limiting beliefs, challenging our subconscious. Is there anything else that we can do that you personally would recommend for anyone listening who is just completely absorbed by all of this information, you know, someone like me perhaps, wanting to walk away from this podcast episode, what can I incorporate into my daily routine that is Mm. going to help me understand maybe my subconscious a lot more or even my self-limiting beliefs? Yeah, wow, love that. I love giving exercises to people. So I love this. Um, you know, a simple practice of just analyzing your days, all right? And not being hard on yourself. Please don't be hard. There is no need for hate because you're doing everything out of a place of love. So maybe by the end of the day, you just ask yourself, all right, how did my day go today? What happened, right? And there are many times where we want things to happen a certain way, but they didn't. For example, an action that you took. You wanted to speak a certain way. You wanted to say a certain thing or do a certain thing, and you did not do. So by the end of the day, just ask yourself, what happened today? And then you ask yourself, how would I want to react to that? Mm -hmm. What this does is... First of all, you're analyzing yourself. You're analyzing your behavior, how you react to a certain thing. Secondly, you are now training your brain. If again, the situation were to happen, this is how I want to react. This is how I want to come across. So you need to teach your mind, all right? Um, See, we all are probably adults here, 20 plus, 
40, 50, whatever your age is, until now in your life, your brain has been trained to think a certain way and to act a certain way. And for it to learn something new, you've got to start from the beginning. You've got to teach it and repetition is the key over here, right? So you need to tell yourself again and again what you truly want. And this simple exercise will just help you do that. Think about it this way. I think in the initial of this conversation, I did do an example of that seed in your head, right? When a limiting belief comes in. When you're putting in a new belief into your head, it's yet a seed. And you need to water it and nourish it for it to grow into a plant. And the way you do that is by teaching it. And this example, this exercise does exactly that. Just analyze your day, ask yourself what happened. How would you want to react to this situation if it were to happen again? Do it for the first 10 days, 20 days, and then you will see that your brain automatically adapts to this way of thinking without you consciously doing it. Mm -hmm. So now it's gone to your subconscious and your subconscious takes charge. Is that something everyone can do? Absolutely. And one thing I would love to ask you about is I know so many of our listeners and even our readers struggle with this is all of us collectively, we are so interested in the subconscious, trauma, boundaries, the inner child, etc. But not everyone around us follows that same passion, if you like. They're just not interested in the same things. So what would you recommend to anyone listening who maybe is living at home, especially because we're in lockdown, or who is now finding themselves living with a partner, and they're very interested in all of these topics, yet the people they're surrounded with just think it's all a bit woo-woo. How can we hold on to our new belief systems? Or how can we journal, meditate, practice our breathing exercises and fully evolve and grow as human beings without worrying what those people closest to us, who we can't exactly get rid of, think that it's all a little bit hippie? Mm. What's your priority? Right? Ask yourself, are you a priority in your life? Is your personal growth a priority in your life? Or is the momentary comments from your partner or your family more important than your own dream? Mm. Right? Get your priorities straight. And then it's about action, right? And honestly, I think most of the things that we spoke today is mainly science-based it's not even that woo you're actually just working on yourself as a person and if you are not going to do that for yourself nobody is how much ever even if you hire a coach to help you um a mentor to mentor you if you are not ready if you are not ready to take that action none of that is going to help So it's always going to start with you until you decide that you want your life a certain way and you are going to take an action towards it. That's the part. That's when change is going to happen. That's when shift is going to happen. And then everybody else is going to just help you through that. But it's got to be you. You're not going to be spoon fed anymore. Even babies who are spoon fed, they need to put that food inside, right? Mm-hmm. They need to help themselves. If you can't help yourself, nobody can help you. I love that. You've really summed up just such great pieces of advice and wisdom. Now I end the podcast always with two questions. Our podcast mm-hmm. listeners know them well. The first being, what is your favorite quote or the mantra you live by? Mm, love that. <sighs> I don't have a fancy quote or mantra, but what I always ask myself, and I think everyone can try this, is when I'm having a thought, and I know it's not a very complimentary thought to me, I just ask myself, what's a better thought? What's one better thought than what I have? It does not have to be something which is extremely good. 
It just has to be better than my current thought. So what's a better thought than this? You're so wise, Arundhati. <laughs> I'm loving this entire conversation. I'm. There are so many quotes to pull out from this amazing episode. And then... Finally, what books or podcasts on NLP or reprogramming the mind or the subconscious would you recommend to our audience? Right. Um, I'd actually recommend the book that started me into NLP, and that's Tony Robbins. It's called Awaken the Giant Within. Now, that's a book which introduced me to NLP. And if you guys are interested in NLP, he goes pretty deep. He actually gives you the questions what you can ask yourself. And he uses a lot of coaching techniques as well. You can straight away start coaching after you read that book, to be honest. Um, further from that, I was so hooked that I actually went into my NLP certification and I got all of that done. So that was the one book that I would recommend because I have read the whole of that book. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. So if you're interested in NLP, um, even if you do not want to be a coach, but just for personal development, that's a beautiful book. Also, if you are not ready to hire a coach, again, that's a beautiful book because they do teach you how you can coach yourself through it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I loved this conversation and you had some really beautiful questions. Um, and I do feel like the questions bring out the magic out of it, right? It's We all have answers, but it's what questions we ask that give us the right answers. Something for the listeners as well. Ask yourself, the right questions what questions are you asking because every question you ask there is going to be an answer to that so what type of questions are you asking what quality of questions are you asking and you did a really good job by your beautiful questions and I loved coming on here and talking about everything so thank you for having me here Thank you so much for listening to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Scarlett V. Clark. Smart Girl Tribe is the UK's number one female empowerment organization, a personal development community for women. Through this top-rated podcast, event series, and my book, The Smart Girl's Handbook, available to pre-order now, we arm you with the resources to heal, grow, and evolve to become your most authentic self. When not connecting with like-minded individuals in the Smart Girl Tribe Society on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe.